you have a Bible, you can get it ready, or if you have some notes there, we're going to be talking today about fathers, an appropriate subject since today is what? Father's Day. Now, before we get started talking about Father's Day, I want to just kind of lay a little bit of groundwork so that you can understand this. You know, I recognize that not everyone was the benefit, you know, had the benefit of having a father that left you with a very positive experience in your life. And that's just the reality of human existence. Many of us did, however, have earthly fathers that were that were kind and benevolent and things um, left very positive impressions on us and experiences in our life. And so I want us to think today and remind ourselves that, that chances are our fathers probably weren't the worst guys in the world and certainly they weren't perfect just like none of us are. See, we're all human beings and we're all on this spectrum, okay, somewhere. And we recognize that about our fathers. Have you ever noticed that we're able to see the good things about our father? I've heard even some of you talk about some of, some of the good things that your fathers taught you, but also knowing that some, some of the things that they did were not good and that they weren't all that they should have been. And that's true of all human relationships. But it's appropriate on a day like this to honor our fathers. But it's more appropriate on a day like this to remind ourselves that our earthly fathers are really just snapshots or reflections of what true fatherhood is as demonstrated by God, who is, as Jesus said in the Lord's Prayer, what? Our Father. He is everyone's Father. And I do want to say, if you if you are have been unfortunate enough in this life to have a lot of suffering at the hand of your father, or maybe you didn't have a father, your father left, take comfort in the fact that the Bible tells us that Jesus, or that God, can be the Father to the fatherless. And so I hope that that today, as you look and understand more about God as our Father, it gives you comfort. But, but also remember that these expressions of fatherhood that we have in our own life are just pictures. The, the true Father is God. And as earthly fathers and people who have earthly fathers, we're just seeing reflections of that. And so I want to share with you today four things that I find in the Bible that are really things that our Father, God the Father, gives us. And many of us have seen reflections or pictures of this in our own earthly fathers or in people who served as a father figure, but ultimately the source is found in our Father in heaven. It's not an exhaustive list, but I think that these four things are very, very important. The first thing that we see God our Father gives us is He gives us provision. He provides for us. Now, I got to see this very clear in my earthly father. Maybe some of you did as well. My father was a hard worker. My father um, had a job, and he worked his job 40 hours plus a week for a company, but then even on the weekends, he much to my chagrin, thought it was a good idea to have rental property that he wanted to get ready for his retirement and have side income because he didn't want my mom to have to work at home. He wanted my mom to be there. So my father took that role as a provider seriously, even when I didn't like it, as I didn't want to be on Saturdays or on the weekends going and cleaning up these houses or painting or doing those things. So I, I did get to see my father serve as a provider, and many of you did as well. Your father's taught you how to work. And let me just say on a side note to this, you can't learn to work but one way. 
and that's work. So if you're trying to teach a kid to work by telling them about work, no pun intended, but it ain't going to work. They got to get out there and do some work if they're going to learn. And work is how we provide. Now, our Father in heaven is the ultimate provider. I want to read just a few passages of Scripture here to you that, that illustrate God as our provider. In Psalms chapter 34, verses 8 through 10, the psalmist writes, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, the joys of those who take refuge in Him. Fear the Lord, you His godly people, for those who fear Him will have all they need. Even strong young lions sometimes go hungry. But listen to this. But those who trust in the Lord will lack no good thing. The key is trusting in the Lord as your provider. You know, another story that Jesus told when he was on the earth was from Matthew chapter 7, verses 9 through 11. Listen to this. He says, parents, if your children ask you for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask you for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask Him? You see, what He's saying there is even in our own experience as sinful human beings, we're going to do what? We're going to provide for our children. Well, God is not sinful at all. He's perfect. So how much more is God going to want to provide for His children? Listen, you know one of the problems? It's we get lost between what we need and what we want. The Bible says very clearly that those who trust in Him, God's going to provide for their needs. Listen to what Philippians 4.18 says. Um, he says, 19 says, And the same God who takes care of me will look, supply all of your needs, not all your wants. See, the problem is we're in such a land of plenty that we don't even work. We don't even know what need means. Some of these boys and girls in here don't even understand need. Because it's all about wants. And so we got to fight against that. Because God's going to provide our needs. Here's what happens. People struggle and they fight and they claw and clamor for what they want. When a lot of times what they want is not what they need. You see, the Bible says God's going to give us what we need. But too many of us have taken on so much of what we want that maybe we don't even have room. What if we didn't have room to hold what we need? You, know, you can only carry so much. What if you got so much that you want? So much sugar, so much potato chips, so much soda, so much of stuff that you may want that you don't need that you can't have what you need. I think some people in life don't have what they need because they're too overwhelmed with what they want. And of course, not everyone has that experience. Some people are in need. One of the things that I love about our church, supporting the folks in the Philippines. You know, for those of you who've been here for a while, you know that we we um have have <clears throat> given lots of things to the uh, to the church shows over there in the Philippines and started churches. I want you to listen to what eighteen says there in Philippians four. Paul writes, he says, "At the moment, I have all I need and more." That's pretty much where we are, right? We have all we need and more. If we're honest, we have all we need and more. Paul was there, he says, I am generously supplied with the gifts you sent me from Aphrodite. And listen to this, they are sweet-smelling sacrifice that is acceptable and pleasing to God. You know what I love about sending money to the Philippines? See, whenever you give money to people who are in need and you do it for God, your gifts, the Bible says, are like a sweet-smelling sacrifice to Him. See, some people ask me sometimes, well, why don't we do this here, here, here? You can't ever get lost just doing stuff here. 
Sometimes you got to do something for people who really need it. You can't hold on to everything. You got to do something for people who need it. And when you do, guess what? The Bible says it's, it's, it's meaningful, a sweet sacrifice to God when we help people in need. We all need to be helping others in need, not so much trying to get, but to give. Now, when you think about God as this idea of provider, He is providing what we need. Not necessarily always what we want, but what we need. And there's sometimes a very big difference. As fathers on this earth, we need to be providing for the needs of our children. You don't need to be stuck trying to give kids everything they want. We need to be focusing more on their needs. And I tend to believe that we'll oftentimes going to give them a lot of what they want to. The Father gives good gifts. The Heavenly Father does as well. The second thing that we see here about our Father and what He gives us is protection. Now, I want you to look at a picture. This is a picture from March the 5th at a spring game in Major League Baseball. Some of you may be baseball fans, but I want you to look at this picture right here. All right, go to this picture. You see that picture up there, that guy in those sunglasses? That guy's name was Sean Cunningham. And he was at this spring game, I think it was between the Pirates and the Braves. And a, and a photographer caught this picture. And to me, it, it, it so illustrates the protection of the Father. You know, Second Thessalonians back there said, God is faithful and he will strengthen you and protect you from the evil one. To me, this is a beautiful picture of that. So they're going out to these father and son going out to a baseball game, all right? That's a great thing to do with this boy. They go out to a baseball game. The batter swings the bat, and a part of the bat comes flying back in just in an instant. And what does the father do? Instinctually, he does what? He throws his arm up to keep his son from getting hit upside the head with a baseball bat and doing a lot of damage. See, this father instinctually knew to protect his son. That's a reflection of what our father wants to do for us. He is in the business of protecting you and I. Listen, how would your life change? How would your circumstances be affected if you really believe that today? Is that God was your protector? Look, because of all the fear and the uncertainty and the danger in this life, so many people feel like they're on their own. They don't have a protector. Listen, Nobody in this earth will protect you like God. Look at what the psalmist said in chapter 91, verses 1 through 4. It says, Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. You think there's people in this life that just need to rest and find some shelter and get out of all the madness? This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God, and I trust Him. For he will rescue you from every trap and protect you from deadly disease. He will shelter you with his wings. His faithful promises are your armor and your protection. Listen, your Father in heaven wants to protect you. His faithful promises are your protection. What do you need protection from in this world? Listen, this world's a cruel place. The Bible says there's an enemy of this world. He's the devil. says he's like a roaring lion. He's roaming the earth, seeking whom he may devour. He's looking to steal, kill, and destroy. In Ephesians, when we get back to it next week, he talks about how he's the ruler of the unseen powers of this world, and he has no good interest for you. 
He has nothing positive for your life. But guess what? The Bible says God will protect you from the evil one. How does he protect you? His faithful promises are the armor. Go read Ephesians 6, and it talks about the armor of God that he gives you to be protected. Listen, how can his faithful promises protect you? You know, some people are struggling with loneliness. You know how to be protected from loneliness, his faithful promises? What does the Bible say? I will never leave you nor forsake you. What if you told yourself that and you believed it? You wouldn't fall victim to loneliness. All the things that we struggle with, all of the, the fiery darts of the enemy that the Bible talks about can be dispelled and dispersed with the promises of God as he protects us. You know, I love the statement that the young boy, the Ocala Star Banner from Ocala, Florida, you know, that was where this game was. They asked the young man about the episode where the, his dad threw his arm out there in front of him. And this is what the young boy said, and I quote, he said, as long as I'm with my dad, I'm okay. How many of us could just pause for a minute and all this chaos in the world, all these problems, what if you just said, you know what, as long as I'm with dad, I'm okay. That's the kind of thing we need to be providing as fathers. But more than that, we need to really just embrace that and just trust that God is going to protect us through all of this. Listen, if you start getting bombarded by all the troubles and the problems of this world, you'll lose your way. Just trust Dad, your Heavenly Father. He's got your back, and it's going to be okay. See, God doesn't just provide for us, though, and He doesn't just protect us. He has to give us a little correction sometimes. Now this is, I know my boys and girls are going to be like, oh man, I don't know if I really want to hear about all this. You know, our fathers, our earthly fathers have to give us correction. Now, I don't know about any of you boys and girls, but I bet some of these adults, you know, whenever my dad, when I was your age, some of you, especially probably around David's age or maybe a little younger, if my dad reached down here and did this right here, it didn't mean that he was about to change britches or change his pants. It meant what? He's about to have to take his belt off. Or at my house, he also, and that was only backup plan if he couldn't find his board, right? And so he had to give us some correction. And some of us really needed a lot of it. Of the three boys, I probably needed more correction than the other two, all right? And I had to receive that correction. You know, you want to know a big part of what's wrong in this world today? is that people don't want to receive correction. You see, if you always think you're right, then guess what? You're going to always be offended when somebody tells you you're wrong and you're never going to want to receive correction. Please, boys and girls, please, adults, understand that not receiving correction is the pinnacle of self-pride, thinking that you're always right. Listen to what the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 3. My child... Don't reject the Lord's discipline and don't be upset when he corrects you. Look at the people in the world who are so upset because somebody's correcting them. Somebody's telling them they're wrong. They're either offended or they're angry or all kinds of things. But look, don't get lost on all those people because all those people include who? It includes us. We don't like to be corrected. It's not fun and we're going to look at that. But the Lord corrects those he loves. Just as a father corrects a child, 
in whom he delights. You see, our Father in heaven has to correct us. How does he correct us? He corrects us with starting point, truth, okay? And that truth then, he uses other people and circumstances to make that known in our lives. You know what the problem with a lot of people is? And I say a lot of people, and I mean myself, is when we encounter truth, and that truth found in the Bible stands contradictory to what we want to do or what we have done. We tend as human beings to challenge the authority. We want ourselves to be right. We want to say, well, that ain't the way that's supposed to be interpreted or that's for the old school or that's for back then. Well, guess what? This right here, this truth contained in here, it's been standing for thousands of years. The Bible claims this claim about itself. It says that from the foundation of the world, wisdom was present through the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. His word is everlasting and it's eternal. And so when you and I engage in living, we're going to sin. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to do the wrong thing, think the wrong things, act the wrong way. Guess what? Humanity. When we encounter that in our life, God shows us correction. We can either embrace the correction and try to make the appropriate steps to correct our action, or we can throw our nose up at God, or we can say, well, that's not right. That's for somebody else. Listen, God's correction is for our benefit. I love that song. It says it's His kindness. That old praise song says that leads us to repentance. You see, because one day we're not going to have a free will anymore. When this life is over and all of the tales have been told and the deeds are done, guess what? The authority will stand forevermore and then we'll be judged by it. So we want to adjust and make corrections today. I'm reminded of an old story I heard about a ship's captain. And it was really, really foggy. And the ship's captain, it happened to be, I think it may have been an admiral who was on this particular ship. And he sent out a radio through their little radar beacon and he said, there's a uh, such and such, um, we're heading at so and so, we need you to change direction. We're moving this right here. The, the guy on the other end of there says, well, um, I'm sorry, but you're going to have to, you're going to have to, tell the captain, you're going to have to change course. Captain comes back on, he says, no, sir, you don't know who I am. You need to change course. We're bearing at such and such, and you need to change course. The guy on the other end of the radio comes back and says, look, I really am sorry to tell you this, but you really need to change course. Guy comes back and says, you don't know who I am. I'm Admiral such and such, and you need to change course. The guy on the other end of the radio says, I don't know who you are, and I'm not that important, but I'm such and such, and I'm at a lighthouse, and you need to change course. Because why? If you keep going... The lighthouse isn't changing course. It's there. It's a solid fixture. It's an absolute. The ship's going. You can't change course of the lighthouse. Listen, all the crying, clamoring, fighting, and everything that you do in this world to try to change the course of this absolute and try to bend it, mold it, change it, guess what? You're going to collide with it. You cannot win. You and I have to course correct. The Bible doesn't course correct. Now, we all know that some people misuse the Bible, right? And they come up with all kind of crazy things. And so that's why we have to learn to rightly divide the word of truth. It doesn't, just because it says we got to figure out what that means and we got to use wisdom. But ultimately, correction is on our part. 
And it's a good thing. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 5 through 11. Let me read this to you. It says, have you forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to you as children? My child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline and don't give up when he corrects you. Let me pause a minute. You know, I've coached some teams. Nothing worse than a crybaby who quits or gives up when they get corrected. Nobody's perfect. You're not going to do anything perfect. And even if you get good, you're not going to do it perfect all the time. So when you get corrected, don't pout and get over in the corner and you're upset because somebody told you you did wrong. You're going to do wrong. I'm going to do wrong. And whenever people love us enough to correct us, don't quit and don't give up about it, okay? He says, for the Lord disciplines those he loves, and he punishes each one he accepts as his child. As you endure this divine discipline, remember that God is treating you as his own children. Who ever heard of a child who is never disciplined by his father? Come to 2020, I'll show you a few who aren't disciplined by their father very well, but he's asking this, this rhetorical question. If God doesn't discipline you as he does all of his children, it means that you are illegitimate and are not really his children at all. You see, we don't like punishment. I, I didn't particularly care for it myself as a kid. But sometimes you have to suffer some pain, a little bit of consequences, or you're not going to learn. Now, you, I'm not talking about child abuse and all that kind of stuff. I'm talking about course correction and pressure that causes people to do what they're supposed to do. Look what he says further. He says, since we respected our earthly fathers who disciplined us, shouldn't we submit even more to the discipline of the father of our spirits and live forever? For our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years, doing the best they knew how. <coughs> and look, sometimes we got to remind ourselves, our parents, our dad did the best he could. He dropped the ball. Guess what? When you look in the mirror, guess who you're going to see? You're going to see somebody who drops a ball. Give them some of that grace, all right? They did the best they could, but God's discipline is always good for us that we might share in His holiness. You realize that God is trying to help us correct so that we can become more like Him and become more like He wants us to be? Number 11, no discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. It's painful. I mean, that's just reality. Look, I was picking on Edgar earlier. He's losing all this weight, and he's been working out. Well, guess what? I guarantee you that, that it's a little bit of pain when you work out. You know what I'm saying? When you go work hard and you exert yourself, if you lift weights, what does it do? You're lifting weights to do what? To tear muscle fibers. It's painful so that when they're torn and they grow back, they're stronger. Discipline and, 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 and correction can be painful. But why do we do it? Why does God discipline us? Why does he put parents in our life, fathers in our lives to correct us? Sometimes it's painful so that afterward there'll be a peaceful harvest of what? Right living for those who are trained. You know, that's what correction is for. My boys and girls, when your parents are having to fuss you, sometimes when they got to give you a little spanking, when they got to get you on the right track, it, they know that you don't like it. It's going to be painful. Even the Bible says that. But guess what? They're doing it because they love you. I know you don't believe that. I didn't believe it when my dad said he was doing this because he loved me. But now that I have grown, I realize he did love me. And it was because he loved me that he disciplined me and he wouldn't let me do everything I wanted to do. You see, we have a tendency to want to do our own thing. The people who are in authority in our lives, and now it's our parents or either and ultimately God, who's put people in place to help us and discipline us and keep us from going 
oftentimes in that wrong direction. You know, I was thinking on this Father's Day, I don't know why I was thinking this week about Miss Marlene's father. His, he was, a, a, from the stories I've been told, of a remarkable man who was very committed to God. And his favorite hymn was Trust and Obey. And I, I, don't, I was just thinking about that when it comes to correction. That old hymn says, Trust and Obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus than to what? Trust and obey. You see, how much sorrow could we avoid in our life if we would just obey? Boys and girls, Brother Jason can testify to you today. If you'll obey your parents, you'll save yourself some heartache. Listen, do what they're telling you to do. They love you, moms and dads. If you'll just obey what God wants you to do, it'll be so much better. I know because I'm one of the most hard-headed people you'll ever meet. I got this plan, always want to do it. And look, when the people in your life who love you are telling you that, hey, you, you know, this is what you should do, when the truth of the word's telling you that, they're not all wrong. Guess who's wrong? You're wrong. Trust and obey and embrace the correction from your heavenly Father. And that correction comes through the people in your life who love you, the other authorities. It comes from the Word of God. It comes from your experiences. So listen, our Father in heaven is our provision. He's our protection. He's our correction. But all of that is driven out of His affection for us. Listen, God loves each and every one of us so much. You know, you think of the love that you have for your children, how much you love them. That's just a speck of sand on the seashores of life compared to the love that God has for you. Listen to this verse, Deuteronomy 10, 15. It says, The Lord set His affection on your forefathers, and He loved them. He chose you, their descendants, above all the nations, as it is today. You know, if you're a Christian, you really are in a long line of chosen people, not by accident. God loves you, and He has chosen you. My favorite story about this from the Bible is the story of the prodigal son. You remember that story? Some of my boys and girls probably remember it. There, there was two sons, and one of the sons, he didn't want to stay home anymore. He was ready to go do his own thing. So he went to his father, and he said, Father, I need all my money now. I want my part of the inheritance now. And so the father gave him his part of inheritance, and he took off, and he, man, he went and lived it up. He went up, and he had women, and he had booze, and he had all the things like that, and he just, he just had a ball. He was living the high life. And as always is the case, when you go try to live the high life and you go all do that, it's going to leave you at the end with nothing and meaninglessness and suffering and heartache. And so he, he's in that point. And if you remember from the story, he's, he's in the pig pen and he's thinking, you know what? I made a really bad decision to get my life right here. Even the servants at my father's house are treated better than I am right here. Why don't I humble myself and I'm going to go back and I'm going to be a servant at my father's house. And so if you remember the story, you remember what happens is my favorite part of the story. He gets up. The Bible says he comes to himself. He recognizes the mistakes he made and he's going to try to go make it right. He doesn't have expectations, but he goes back, and here's what happens. The story says what? The father. What's the father doing? The father's been on the porch waiting on him. 
The father sees him coming from a long way off, the Bible says. And the Bible says what? While he was still a long way off, his father saw him, was filled with compassion for him. Listen, he ran to his son. He threw his arms around him and he kissed him. And they had a big party because the father had so much affection for the son that he welcomed him home. He didn't care that he was sorry. He didn't care that he blew all the money. He didn't care that he made a lot of bad decisions. He loved him in spite of all of that. Listen, you know what some people need to embrace today? The love of God. Sure, they've made mistakes. Sure, they've squandered it. Sure, they've done some sorry things. But the Father wants them back. Now, we don't have time today, but too many of us are like that older brother, right? We don't want them to come back. We want them to suffer for their bad choices. We want them to pay for what they did because they were not like us. The Father doesn't get lost in that. The Father has deep affection. And He's always trying to redeem people. Bring them back. It don't matter where you are. It doesn't matter what you've done. You can always come back to the Father. He's not going to judge you. He's going to receive you with open arms. I don't know that there's a better verse to illustrate this than one we've all heard and maybe we learned as children. John 3.16. What does it say? For God so loved the world that He gave His only, one and only Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. You know the song we sang earlier was what? The overwhelming never-ending, reckless love of God. You know, what He did for you, His love for you, is so reckless. It's so overwhelming. The apostle said what? It's foolishness and offensive to other people that don't understand it. You know, all of this firestorm that's going on in society today, was ignited by what? What we perceived and what very literally was unjust actions. People getting something that they didn't deserve. Right? We see how this is offensive and how overwhelming this gets us all worked up when people get are unjustly whatever. I saw a guy who was freed last year or like a year and a half ago, served in Angola Penitentiary for 30 years. New DNA evidence comes out and what? He didn't do it. He was unjustly punished for something someone else did. And rightly so, this is somewhat offensive and it's, it's overwhelming to our, to our humanity, you know, our sense of fairness. But let me remind you of this, friends. That all pales in comparison to the overwhelming love of a man who did never do anything wrong. He was never in the wrong place. He never had the wrong thoughts. He never had any of the wrong motivations and what they do to him. They nailed him on one of those for something he didn't deserve. He did it for you and I. You know, when you think about that picture, of that man whenever the bat was coming at the kid 
What did the guy do? He didn't even think about it. His nature was to do what? He just stretched his arm out to block it, to protect his kids. What if you and I recognize today that the father loved us so much that he allowed the son to throw his arms out for you and I, to have them nailed onto a cross so that you and I could experience the love of God. As we close today, I want our invitation, reflection to be communion. Because this is the most extreme, overwhelming, reckless love that anybody could ever have. What does the Bible say? Some people would die maybe for a good man. But for a sinner, somebody you don't know, for somebody who does what they shouldn't do, and they do it over and over, they mistreat people, and they're way less than what they were created to be. But still, God's deep affection for us demonstrated on the cross. Broken body. Wasn't easy. You've heard me say this many times. Remember what he prayed? Father, I'd really like to see this cup pass from me. I'd like to go another route. There's no way, there's no way to shape getting nailed to a cross and bleeding out, suffocating is a good thing. But he did it for the sins of humanity, for your sins, for my sins. That's love. Let's take his broken body together. You know, as he hung on that cross, very literally his blood dripping down on the ground. There's been songs written about it. There's been movies depicting it. But literally, the innocent blood of the greatest man to ever walk the face of the earth was spilled in an obscure place in the dust for your forgiveness and for my forgiveness. Let's remember his sacrifice together. As we close today, I hope that on a Father's Day 2020, that you would look back on the pictures that your father gave you of God. They weren't all perfect. And some of you may have to dig a little deeper to find some of the good ones and some of the, the accurate pictures. Some of us have maybe more than others. But it's okay. All of us have the real source of all the good things. Provision, protection, correction, and affection. And that is God, our Heavenly Father. If you are a father, I do want to say, work hard to continue being the right kind of picture. You know, think about the responsibility you have as a father. Literally, these children of yours are going to see God through the pictures you show them. You know, one of the things that I, I want to close with is as Christians, many people in our lives <clears throat> never had a father. Large groups of people 
and it's not one particular color, or it's, but a lot of people don't have fathers. And I hear people talking about the fact that there's no fathers in the home, and this is a terrible tragedy. But you know what I'd like for us to do? Is instead of being critical of people who didn't have a father in the home and, and, and use that for whatever our argument is, why wouldn't we have compassion and pray that God would reveal himself as their father? That maybe we could, as men or someone in their life, could step up and demonstrate to them how God could be their father. You see, if you never had a father or if you had a bad, bad father figure, it's hard to see God as a father. And as Christians, you and I are supposed to what? We're supposed to be showing other people this love as a father. So I want to encourage you, if there's somebody in your life out there, maybe that, that isn't fortunate enough to have a father figure, why don't you go in there and try to step in and provide some of those roles of provision, protection, correction, and affection. Look, wouldn't it be good to leave them with a few snapshots so that they could have a true picture of their Heavenly Father. I hope that you have a great rest of the day in whatever your activities entail. Be reminded that we will continue to have some of our Bible studies online. Check out the website so that you can plug into those. Um, if you haven't done this and you need to, go online or go to the app and continue making your gift. This would be a great time with all the uncertainty of what we're doing. Go on there and make your gift recurring. I know I've done that and it was really, that was the, the, the best thing for me so I don't forget to do that. But I appreciate your faithfulness there in continuing um, to give. Also, lots of uncertainty out there in what our schedule is. I do want to ask you, be patient with us. We're trying our best to figure out what the right steps are. Um, I know several of you here are in the medical profession, and we're, we want to do the right things and, and figuring out you know, what, what we need to do as far as services, as far as our activities. We recognize how stressful this is for our boys and girls, for everybody with all the schedules, and so it's, 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 it's just not exactly the way we want it to be, right? But we're going to try to figure out how to get through it, and so I ask for your patience and your um, encouragement and even your prayers um, through, through this as we do it. I hope that you have a great week. Lots of good things. There's, there's plenty of bad things, but focus on the good things. And I'm telling you, you'll be amazed at how much better things will get when you focus.